And uh, I really didn't even know his name or who he was or the story until I was probably 12 or 13 years old. And, and there's a lot of reasons why you know, I didn't know him. And, and he had offered to marry my mom. I, I, I was a result of a teenage pregnancy. And when my mom tells the story, she says, you know, look, we made one mistake. We didn't want to make the, a second mistake of getting married at 17. And if you kind of hear those words, what was the first mistake? Here I am. And, and so a verse like this has special meaning to me. Especially the part where it says, um, God sets the lonely in families. Now, I don't know why, but everywhere we moved, and, and I moved a ton. Like, you know, when I started ninth grade, that was my, like, 11th school. And everywhere I went, there was always some neighbor, some friend, some teammate in his family who was willing to have me tag along <coughs> and to feed me and to make me feel wanted. And, and feel a part of a family and see something different than what I was ever seeing at home. And I'd like to think back, you know, how, like, as you think back at your athleticism, you know, you were a much better athlete than you ever really were in your, you know, in your mind. Oh, it's because I was such a great kid. I was just such a grateful kid, unlike any other kid. You know, I was never, I always shared, you know, no, no. It's because God takes the lonely and he puts them in families. And he takes care of his own. And when it doesn't happen, it's because people aren't following God's will. And he continues to do it today. Susan and I have been going here 26 years. My mother's passed. My grandparents that I grew up with in, in high school and college, they're gone. But I've got a family. And they're here. And our new life family, over 20 years, our New Life Academy family. And we've gone through life with all these people and with you people. And it's powerful because God never forgets the lonely. Okay? Another verse. Go to the next one. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know them well. Can I tell you that there's just no throwaway people? Yeah. Good. I'm glad you believe that. Because there are times when we treat people like they are throwaway people. And, and I think of a time, and I think it was in second grade. It was only for like a semester, but I was in foster care. And uh, I remember the social worker packing up our stuff, my sister and I. And we moved to, um, into this foster family for about a semester. And the social worker left, and we were sitting on this picnic table, and the family was kind of going through the rules about you don't go in this house, and when I call you, you come to dinner, like very, you know, all normal stuff. And then she says, hey, what was your name again? And I go, oh, my name's Todd. No, my son is Todd. So you can't be Todd while you stay here. What should we call you? And in some like Kunta Kinte moment, I'm like, <laughs> I'm, my name's Todd, and you're going to call me Todd, because that's my name. <laughs> and if you think I'm stubborn now, man, as a kid, I, I mean, ask my relatives, I've had meltdowns where my grandpa was like, who is this, like, alien being? And, and I just said, my name's Todd, you know, you call me Todd. And she said, no, my son is Todd in my house. And I had, like, some kind of G.I. Joe shirt on, like, you know, a lot of people did, or camouflage shorts or something. And she goes, we'll call you Sarge. 
And for that whole time in foster care, they called me Sarge. So when I read a verse like this, and I read verses that say God knows the number of hairs I have on my head, when I hear, and I can't remember if it was a VBS or a Bible school or a Bible camp, but I, I heard this lesson about how God created everything. And the creator of the universe loved you so much that he sent his son to save you. And as they read John 3.16, the teacher of that class went around to every student and said, Hey, Bill, God loves you. If you were the only one on this earth, Jesus would have come for you. And he said my name, and he said, Todd, God loves you. If you were the only one on earth, Jesus would have come to save you. And I thought, there are no throwaway people. God knows my name. And, and to some of you who went to camp this summer and took your vacation time to go teach Bible class, God bless you for planting the truth of Jesus Christ in those young people. For those of you that work at the BBS and, and question, man, should we be doing this? It is so busy, and we're busy, and we're busy. And God bless you. And if the kids didn't say thank you, we say thank you. And, and sometimes we say, well, but half those kids, they, they go to church. They know these lessons. You know how powerful it is to hear the truth of Jesus Christ from someone other than your own parents? It means a lot when it comes from someone else other than, hey, mom and dad aren't idiots. These people believe the same thing. <laughs> now, your mom and dad may be idiots. It's, it's like a whole... It's a whole separate issue, and you notice none of my kids are here, so they're not like amening or anything like that. So, but can I just tell you that just like there's no throwaway people, there's no throwaway verses. We gotta be in God's word because there are treasures in there, and let the Father speak to you, and He's gonna speak the truth of Jesus Christ. You know, there are just so many times in my life where I saw things going on and I'm like, this cannot be normal, right? There are times, uh, I mean, thankfully I was big early. When you're moving a lot, it's kind of hard to be bullied when you're a head taller than everybody else in your class. And what's funny is everyone always assumed like, okay, so third time in fifth grade or, you know, I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm just kind of big, you know, and, and, um, and I was also athletic, and you guys know how it goes on the recess. You know, you're out on the playground, and if you can kick the ball into the woods, hey, I want Todd on my team. So God gave me that opportunity. And, and I was playing sports in eighth grade at a time when, man, things, things were bad. And again, I don't want to dishonor my mom, but, you know, no one comes out and says, hey, I'm going to set aside my belief in Jesus today, and I'm going to go serve my idol. But when you grow up in a home and there is no food, and you do not have clothes that fit you because you're growing so fast, and yet somehow in our household there was magically enough money to party every weekend, you get it. Food, your clothes are not as important as me having fun with my friends. And I used to come home after my basketball games for the eighth grade and I always had to find my own ride. Got called, my mom's friend, look at, look at the jock. How'd you make it home? Surprised you could find the apartment. You jocks are dumb. Zero support on my homework. 
I started doing my own laundry in the eighth grade so that my clothes when I went to school didn't reek of marijuana. I'd do my laundry, I'd go in my apartment, I'd go in my bedroom and I'd put my clothes away and I'd open the window even if it was in the middle of winter so that I didn't reek like marijuana when I went to school and everyone would just assume that I'm a druggie. Eighth grade. And yet somehow God was always there letting me know that this is not normal. That there's more to life than partying on the weekend. And the Waukesha Church of Christ and these different people started picking my sister and I up and taking us to church. And man, they would invite us to those youth events and we'd play the dumb games, the same dumb games our youth event plays now. No, I'm not taking my shoes and socks off. I don't care what the game is. I'm not doing it. Right? But any time I wasn't in that apartment, I was seeing families that did things different and were seeking God and loving each other and serving. Everything made sense. And it gave me the strength to get through when it was nonsense. Now I fast forward, and, and, and I tell you this stuff because I sure wish I could look back at my life and say, God was so faithful to me back then that there's never been a time where I chased those idols myself. But I can't tell you that. I, I love the story of, of Joseph. Joseph um, and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. I love that telling of the story. It's got this great music, and there's some country, and there's little, you know, all kinds of different music, and, and it's just, um, the lyrics are great, and it's this great story. But what's even greater is the Joseph of the Old Testament that we read about in Genesis. And man, his family's messed up, right? So his, his dad has way too many wives. And if, if any of you are wondering on the math, that's more than one. So more than one is too many. And, and that scripture about do not exasperate your children, apparently that wasn't in the Old Testament because he played favorites like over the top, right? Joseph, here's a coat. All you other guys, go away. Don't get Joseph's coat dirty, you know? And shockingly, the brothers didn't like that. And, and being the mature young men that they were, they talked to their dad about it. Now, they sold their brother, right? <laughs> They sell their brother. And, and you think of his story, right? So he's a slave. Think of all the things that are relevant today in our society. Did his employer treat him well? Yeah, he rose up through the ranks until something came up, and he totally didn't trust his employee, blamed him for something he didn't do, and then he prisons him, puts him in prison. Now, Pharaoh, he's all about social justice, right? Because for no apparent reason, his servants are in prison as well. You know, because his baker and his butler are in prison. Who knows why? Because maybe he didn't sleep well. Because what? And Joseph is in there with him. All this time, God and, and Joseph's view of God was never determined by the circumstance he was currently in. And so let me just pause and say to any one of you, God is bigger than your circumstance. You have no idea why God put you in the situation you did today. If Joseph isn't in that prison, Pharaoh doesn't learn about his ability to, to interpret dreams. 
And when Joseph's family is suffering from the famine that hits the land, and they come to Egypt, and Egypt actually has available food, none of that happens if Joseph isn't faithful when he's in prison. And it started in Potiphar's house when he was a slave in a job he never wanted, and he did it to the best of his ability. Now, you may dread Monday every Sunday night, but I'm assuming you're not in prison. And I'm assuming you have an opportunity to do your job the best that you can to see what God will do with you being a light in the place that he put you. Now, Joseph, his family, is served also because when temptation came, right, he rose up through the ranks in Potiphar's house, and everything was under his command. And his wife, you know, came, and if you know the story, he ran away from sin. Now, how many of us need to think about that? I mean, run away. And what was his view? His view wasn't like, you know what? I got sold by my brothers. I'm a slave in a land that's far from my home. I deserve this. Who could blame me for doing this? Instead, his view is God is right there with me. How could I do this wicked thing and sin against God? In that circumstance, God was as close to him as he was at any time in his life. What a model of faith that is. When we have anything good happening to us, we need to give all the glory to God. Any good that I do is Christ in me and Christ alone. And if we give him that glory, instead of taking the glory for ourselves, we have a powerful opportunity when people ask you, hey, why do you have such a good attitude about work? Oh, it's because they pay me way more than I'm supposed to get. Come on. Why? I love that I have this job. I love that I have this opportunity to work in this place. I'm actually willing to help you do your job, too. I'll do my share, and I'll do someone else's. Is that our attitude that we take? And if it's not, why? God's been so good to us and so faithful. You know, I think of... uh, They talk about how there's no atheists in foxholes. How many of us have made a promise to God in the midst of some kind of trial? Says, God, I am going to be thankful. I am not going to complain. I am, I am, fill in the blank. And then God delivers. And we move right on. And we forget. And and believe me, I'm just so guilty of that. And football's back in season, so I'm going to give you a football example. A little bit sad, but... um, So I told you about my dad. I met my dad. I was going into my senior year. I was kind of young, so I had just turned 17 when I started my senior year. Man, football was going to be my way out. And I was getting all these accolades for being a good athlete, and it was all about me. And as a Christian, I should have known better, and I should have given glory to God, and I should have been a better teammate. And... The first game my dad was ever going to see me play. And I wrecked my knee and I was out the rest of the season. And I look back at that and I go, maybe that was God saying, you don't need football. Football's not taking you places. I'm taking you places. 
You don't need your earthly father to take you places. I've already taken you places, and I took you to Jesus, and he is all the difference. All right, so now I fast forward. So as a parent, clearly I'm going to be the kind of guy that I'm just glad everyone can participate, and I'm glad my kids, you know, can be on the team. No, I want to win. <laughs> and if this ref doesn't get it, you know, come on, my kid didn't hold. That's my kid. He wouldn't hold. And I just think, you know, I did okay. I, I was so grateful that I could be with the kids and be at their games and sometimes coach them. And they might not have been grateful for that opportunity, but I was grateful for that opportunity. And, and Susan and I were able to host things and have people in our homes. And I remember I would always like, should we pray? Before? Like when you're having the whole football team over, it's WAA, which is Woodbury Athletic Association. You know, this is a public organization. Can we pray? And we're like, hey, we're giving them the food. We can pray. So, was I a good influence? I think I was. Was I a great influence? now? I was a little bit better than the average guy. Is that sometimes our standard? I'm, I'm not like the world. I'm, well, I'm kind of like the world. Well, I'm not totally like the world. So, I, I just think, why do I forget that God is so faithful? What do I care if we win the third grade tournament or not? And I think when the light really clicked on is when Morgan went off to college, and I was like, wow, we're not going to be going to any more volleyball games with Morgan in it. No more softball games. And Ty was a junior, and Noah was a freshman, and I feel like the light clicked on, and I actually got to just sit in those games and just be thankful to kind of share this event that they're having and watch them have some successes and encourage them when they had some failures and I just enjoyed it so much more when I wasn't worried about the wins and the losses and just saying, man, that's my kid out there and he's having fun and we get to meet these people in the stands and this is good. You know what? It reminds me of a verse. God says, I bring life and life to the full. Everyday joys. Right? You sit next to your kid and they're eating cereal and you wonder, like, what kind of manners? Like, like, am I at the zoo? Who eats like that? <laughs> and there's milk splashing all over and there's Cheerios on the floor. There is joy in the journey if you just stop and say, God, why did you see fit to give me this child? <laughs> Seriously, we miss the joy in the journey, right? Kids are messy. Life is messy, but God is good. And God is so much bigger than any mess that we can have or, or we create. You know, I've been thinking about how to close this. And uh, if you've been here lately, you're shocked that we're closing a sermon 5 to 11. <laughs> Jordan, Patrick, when you listen to this online, that was me. I can't think of a better way to close this than to read Colossians chapter 3. And Colossians chapter 3 starts kind of as if it's carrying over a thought. The thought that's carrying forward is this. If you've been born again, then this is how you should live. If you're out there trying to work through your issues on your own, can I just tell you to stop and give them up to God? Whatever your question is, Jesus is the answer. You feel lonely? You're not alone. You are never alone. Never. 
Physically, you may be in a room by yourself, but God is present. All right? There are no throwaway people. If someone tells you that you're throwaway, it's because they do not understand that every being was fearfully and wonderfully made by a loving God who is Father of all. All his creation is held together through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. In Christ, your circumstance, it doesn't flummox God. I can't figure out how to get through this one. I've never been able to face one this big. No. No, turn it over. And who knows what God will do? He may not ever remove that situation from you. We know that in Bible, but he will give you grace to see you through. He will give you peace. And if you do not currently have peace, it is not far away. Right? If you are going the wrong direction, and you, you didn't call it an idol, but let's just call it what it is. We are chasing sin. Turn around, and what you will see is God is not far off. Because he is waiting there, ready to receive you, if you will humble yourself and repent and say, I can't work my way through this. It's got to be you, God. And he'll say, thank you. I've been waiting for that moment. So Colossians 3 is talking about if you've had that born-again experience. And so if you haven't, please talk to someone. Paul's in the back. There's elders here. Leon, talk to Dave. Have that born-again moment when Jesus Christ is your new life. If you, like me, have been a Christian for a very long time, and you read those scriptures and you go, I, I knew that one. I knew that one. Let me just challenge you to live those scriptures out and be in awe of the truth that you find there. Okay? Finally, I started with the story of Mark Mann. You've got a story. We've been talking about it in Bible class. You've got a way that God worked in your life. Tell other people. They need to hear it. They need to know they're not alone. Maybe you are in the trial that you are in so that you can be right next to someone who's facing the very exact same thing except for they don't have Jesus. Colossians chapter 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. My Bible calls this rules for Christian households. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. I hope you'll remember that God is bigger than any circumstance you're facing. And when he delivers, be thankful. Thanks.